0: Everyone, welcome to this first episode of The Pajama Interviews. I'm your host Michelle Irving. So, a little about me. I've lived with chronic illness for the last 15 years. I've also been bedbound twice in the last decade, and I know what it takes: the grit, the vulnerability, and the tenacity to wake up every day and find your way through the experiences we're all having. And I'm on a mission to de-shame that and really transform our conversations about illness. I'm talking with some amazing guests who have faced the deep emotional terrain just like you and have found ways to carve out a life filled with love, meaningful work and deep personal power. And as a very brand new podcast, if you're joining me, I want to celebrate you. So stay tuned at the end for how to win a prize out of all of my programs. Now, let's dive in with our first guest, ABC broadcaster, Jacinta Parsons. So Jacinta, thank you so much for joining me. What I want to share with our listeners is that Jacinta is an Australian broadcaster and she's also a writer and has written an amazingly fantastic book called Unseen which is a must read for any woman experiencing chronic illness because she captures the journey, the depth, the power and the raw lived experience. So thank you so much for joining us Jacinta.
1: Oh, thank you for those lovely words to kick us off. That's very kind and it means a lot. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it really was amazing for me to read your book and it really mapped um, a lot of my own experience. So I'm wondering if you could share with us firstly what your condition is and then a little bit about the research into illness that you did for your
1: book. My condition is Crohn's disease, and I guess I was diagnosed um, in my early 20s with that bowel disease. Um, The book uh, and the research that I did into chronic illness sort of took me in all sorts of directions, as illness does, in fact, you know, looking into all the facets of what we experience when we have illness, because, of course, it's not certainly just body, but of... uh, a huge amount is spiritual and it's mind, it's societal, it's uh, preconceived ideas about what illness is, and it's structural how illness interfaces in a structured world that uh, hasn't necessarily um, been too kind to women or to uh, people in uh, diverse or from minority groups. So um, I went into all sorts of directions in the research and I found it um illuminating but probably very confirming to an experience right. that I had had and I think in writing the book and in sharing it even with you today it's always affirming and surprising and wonderful to know that our micro stories our experiences as individuals have so much commonality right across the illness spectrum with other people and particularly other women experiencing chronic illness
0: yeah yeah And one of the things that, you know, I've certainly discovered in my own work and you so clearly articulate is that illness is a normal experience. And you did a bit of a dive into how it is normal, but how it's been treated by society. And I wonder if you want to just capture for us what you found in that process, because we live in bodies,
1: but the lived experience is as if there's something wrong with being ill. It is fascinating when you go back in history and look at the treatment of illness, um, you know, you can see a whole lot of evidence around this notion that evil has, you know, in some way been um, encountered by the human, that it's a punishment, that the suffering is indicative of a bad life. Um, and so those very old ideas that were, you know, around sort of 16th century, etc., um, and obviously had a lot of mythology around them as well, and, and treatments um that related to that kind of idea of being, you know, taken over by evil spirits, has actually strangely still been part of our unconscious, I think, in a lot of ways. I think when we're unwell and we don't feel well and our body doesn't feel good, there's an immediate um, internal reaction to that about oh I'm I'm not good myself and I think there is a lot of um, things that come off that in terms of shame and responsibility and guilt around illness that does have an interesting bedrock in the history of how illness has been treated over you know hundreds and hundreds of years. There's
0: also something for me about living in a society that's so individualistic so Um, it's a character flaw is something that I've seen a lot of women feel Um, there's the ways in which we apologize for being unwell and we don't seem to yet in our reactions from family and friends it takes like a lot of conscious discipline to speak back to that and I'm wondering if you found that in your own experience just in terms of getting diagnosed, that was quite a long journey for you.
1: Yeah, I think exactly what you've just said around the apologising, the feeling that you're a burden, the uh, experience of illness as being something other than what we should be. When, you know, as you rightly point out at the beginning of this, it's a very natural state for the human condition to experience illness. It's more natural than not experiencing illness but that we still other it is a very curious thing. And uh, I think, you know, along that continuum of experience or feeling othered is um, the notion of diagnosis, I think, because yeah. we name, we categorise, we put something in a very neat clinical box. And I think that's possibly the first step along the road that uh, can be very confronting for us because Whilst the first point of diagnosis can feel almost exhilarating for some people because you have an answer for what has been an experience, in some ways it supersedes the experience and you feel like you have to comply or understand yourself in very finite ways. The way you explain yourself to the world outside you can be very uh, simplistic. I have diabetes. I have Crohn's disease. I have um, a, a number of conditions and in that way, you're reduced to how someone might understand you as well. Oh, yeah, my sister has that. Oh, I know somebody. Or I've, I've heard about that before. Yes. But really, the individual aspect of us as, as bodies, as humans, as conditions, as cultural, as gendered, means that our experience of illness, while has so much commonality that we mentioned before, is also very much embodied in us in ways Uh, That is often very hard to give a shorthand description to. So while it's um, in some ways liberating to be diagnosed, it also has a whole lot of complexity to it that I think we sometimes only find when we've travelled on that pathway for some time. Um, But you mentioned the diagnosis process, and, of course, we have a range of experiences with diagnosis. Sometimes it's quick and it's simple, and other times it may never, ever happen and I think it's um, it's a very complex um, thing to interface with in the health world because it's science but it's life and it's you and it's the human trying to find a way to explain themselves in the world.
0: I think there's also, I mean, there's a beautiful part in the book where you describe all being in hospital and clinicians being around you and this sort of dislocation from the body um and you know I'm not sure if you use these words but to for me it's sort of that sense of body as specimen rather than body as lived home of a human being and a psyche could you share a little more about how that was for you or what you learned through this process of coming back to being in
1: relationship with your body in many ways it's such a um it's such an extensive thing to talk about but um absolutely when you say specimen I think I described in the book a moment, and it's only one of so many moments that you feel like a specimen when you are going through a health um, situation in a hospital setting, in a health setting Pop, probably. Um, I felt like I was on a Petri dish and, um, you know, I'd have student doctors come through and examine me. And it was a really particular time of acknowledging that space that we share as you mentioned beautifully there, you know, your body is as home and your body as oh, you know, as everything, as experience, as life, as pain, as grief, as love, as all the things that your body is. When it's viewed through a health prism, um, it's sometimes very difficult to maintain that connection with your body as all of those wonderful and um extensive experiences, because It is simplified again to biology when you're being viewed through the prism of health and you are neglected in those other ways of who you are. And I think for a long time for me, I had to adopt that clinical perspective of my body. And I had to, I think, for a number of reasons, because the body was a painful place for me to be, I had to see it through the prism of science and to disassociate from it because I no longer saw it as a safe home or a beautiful home or a nice place to be. But also I think the health environment creates a space where um, you almost, I forced is not the right word, I, I don't mean that there's any intention here to disassociate you, but because it is such it can be such a traumatic physical experience to understand it in anything other than other over there, I think can be very hard and I used to imagine my body was somewhere else when they would describe what was happening or what had happened I would imagine that it was happening away from me because I I couldn't understand it was me
0: yeah this is something that I think we don't often speak about and you sort of don't know and work it out actually to quite a long way down the track and that is that the physical experience is having a journey and trying to move itself along and heal or manage a condition but the emotional experience is unattended to and it is both existential in terms of who am I and what is my existence and what is real and what's meaningful to me but it's also that having the physical experience is distressing and then there's the distress of everybody else or they're trying to manage you at the same time and you seem to have found something that I had never heard of or I had thought about in a different way but in your research you talked about different stages and getting to a stage of enrichment I'm just wondering if you I'd not heard about that and whether you'd sort of
1: map that out a little for us. Well, and same with me. I hadn't heard about it, but I guess I experienced it. Um, And when you were talking then, I was thinking about that lack of synergy of healing. We do it seemingly, and, of of course, everyone is very different, but for me it certainly was my physical and my mental healing had to happen at different stages uh, because both required such urgent attention, you know, in some ways. But yeah, that there are different stages of how we heal, and um, I guess it also follows that line of acceptance as well, how we uh, experience the the body and the health condition in the way that we understand it, because as you say, and rightly so, it's such a fascination to to see ourselves as the fragile, mortal experience that we are, but still hope to function with that. yes. Yeah. Uh, how do you go on when you really, really understand mortality yes. or what you do often when you're confronted with your physical uh, fragility? And so I think the synergy, the notion of that, the um, that idea is really around this sense that you come to that beautiful acceptance with mind and body. Um, but it's a process, isn't it? And it's not, it's certainly an individual experience and it needs to be honoured in that way I think
0: and for you I mean from listening to your experience through your own words this was a lot of your 20s and there was this grief of the things and the life that you wanted to have and I'm wondering how Did you work through that and how did you even just work with the grief, even if you emotionally processed it later? Because it looks to me like the book was also part of this reconnection with that grief.
1: Yeah, it's very astute. I love your observations because they obviously come as well from a lived experience of this because you're picking up some beautiful um, parts. The writing of the book felt loving. It felt like a very loving mothering of the experience it felt like a languaged uh, it felt like a love letter I've said that before but I mean it in the way that I didn't talk about the the wonderful aspects of illness because I felt like this book had to be written for the grief and the anger and the pain because I feel like that needs to have space to be without the pressure of how we um often come through these in in stronger and better ways but yeah it felt a beautiful experience but going through it in my 20s managing grief was very visceral and it was anger and it was fear and it was hitting the bottom of the pool is how I feel it is you know when you you've lived your life and I had up until my point of of exposure to to illness in the way that I was of been quite frightened you know I didn't take chances I didn't do things in the world and then going through the experience of mortality and grief and your body and the change and you losing the dreams that you may have had or the expectations of what you should be doing at that point meant that I touched the bottom and I in some ways in a similar way it was an exhilaration because it was like oh that's the bottom okay And when you realise the strength that you have when you hit the bottom, and it certainly wasn't, you know, I was a mess. I was angry and grieving and lost and I didn't know who I was anymore and I'd lost my identity that I had constructed.
0: Yeah.
1: But, you know, speaking to people who understand this, you know, once you have that experience, then what you have is this opportunity of, um beginning in some way
0: and as you're talking about that now I'm just wondering what was it like in the bottom in the grief um what was it like for you on a daily basis like what what did it feel like how can we capture that real wisdom and knowledge of this is really true and this is what it feels like
1: it it felt to me lost it felt to me Um, like I didn't want to be loved anymore because being loved was a painful experience because I didn't feel like I deserved it and I didn't feel like I had anything to give anyone anymore because the person I thought I was was gone. But the illusion of self is exposed when you are stripped the way you are often with illness and um, in all sorts of ways in our life this happens to us, I suppose. But for me it was in this process Um, where it is a daily struggle to feel like you can get through. You know, you're angry. I I had a lot of anger and a lot of resentment around me and I think I felt anger toward the love and I felt angry um, toward myself. I didn't love me and I shut out any hope for that. I was like, okay, get on with it. Yeah. Move on. Love is not for you, my friend you know, you need to um, work out how you live in the world. And I, I never got to the point where I didn't want to live in the world, but I definitely got to the point where, all right, how do you shut out and just get on with it in a way that um, will not cause you the amount of pain that you're currently in? Because the pain was um, extensive on a on a psychological level.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, it really, this is where I so resonated in your book. And for me... Um, I came to that experience twice. So I came to it at 35 with a diagnosis, but I also came to it at that time where I was reading mythology and Mm -hmm. I really found comfort in the story of Persephone, who's queen of the underworld, and she is stripped down and taken Mm -hmm. to the underworld, but she goes down a maiden and she comes up a queen. Mm -hmm. And that to me was really potent So even in those moments, I found that there were feminine stories and there were myths and there were ways to map the psychological territory. And for me, your book is part of that conversation and the conversation we're having is this is the normal process for your psyche when you are faced with this level of experience and you will find it.
1: Yeah, I think... um... For me, and I I have heard this before as well, there was an absolutely stark moment of choice that I felt I was um, presented with and it was you can stay down here yeah, can or you have to find a way to move up and no one else is going to take you there and no one else will uh, hold you and that's got to be okay because for a long time I was angry that there was not the comfort that I needed around me. Um, and it was a hard thing to accept that the people I wanted to comfort and change this for me couldn't do it. Yeah. So it took a lot for me to to get to that space of forgiveness, I think, um, for the experience and for the people around me and for myself.
0: Yeah, I really resonate with that, wanting other people to fix it. I remember having this life-threatening illness moment and realising if I died, nobody's coming with me. Um, and going into a dying phase as we will all do is on your own in many ways psychologically it's you and that moment and it's very stark when you're young I think too so I'm wondering if you could talk about then how your life moved forward because you've had diagnosis you're in treatment you've got your up and down like it wasn't just oh I'm better there was like relapse and reflare and the psyche has to continue to confront it and how did you find a way through for yourself
1: to date? I think there's a lot in that I think the chronic aspect of illness is such a hard one for for the human to compute the never-ending aspect of a cycle of complexity and challenge because we're very much attuned to victory, I overcome, and we're really um, surrounded by survival stories of I did this, you know, look at me. But uh, I think I write in the book there's no point necessarily with chronic illness that you can have a party and say, check it out, you know, because and, and I think that's also what's heartbreaking sometimes is sometimes you do feel like you got to the top and you're going down the other side and then bang, something will happen again to uh, reinstate and reconfirm your kind of health status. So um, it was really a very profound experience for me. And again, I haven't written about it, but it is the everything of who I am, the experience that I had with the illness. Um, yeah. Me hitting the bottom and finding that I had to do something was all around acceptance. And we also hear this a lot, but um, the acceptance was a profound experience of finding the love and the light in the space that I had previously ignored, you know. If I can't walk, if I can't get out of bed, where is it? Where can I find it? Because I can't live in this pain anymore. Yeah. And once I confronted hitting the bottom of the pool you know like knowing that there is a bottom and i'd hit it and i hadn't and i lost the fear of it it helped me realize that we do a lot of our life avoiding wanting to go through things that i was going through yeah and so i tried to remain present in the experience of the pain to know that i could do it made very conscious um acknowledge, uh, acknowledgements of the fact that the pain was there but i was okay it's okay and accepting that, and then abandoning any of the preconceptions I think I had before I got sick around who I should be, the pressure, yeah. the ideas. I was stripped bare, and in that way it enabled me to not be anybody. I could be, but I could be anybody. You know, I could be anything. What would I be? And so I asked myself that question, who are you now? Like what What are you now? If you have nothing left what would you be? And so I answered that question and I realised that that question is answered not in big stories of ourselves, but in tiny ones, you know. It's making eye contact with the people that you connect with every day. It's finding the love in small things, but it's also seeing the joy in trying to find your space in the world as well, in the small ways, not the big ways. And every small step is part of a biggest thing. So, I mean, it's a bit, um, but it's the very, very truth of yeah. um, how I have maintained my life since I really hit the bottom has been this wonderful understanding that, oh, this is a bit of a game in a way. And yeah. I realized that before. And I think the celebration,
0: I mean, it's so true. The things that I celebrate in my life and want to celebrate and say with great. You know, I spent six months being bedbound and couldn't walk. And when people say, how are you? It's like, I can walk. Like everything is amazing. It's, wow, I can walk. Um, and then you want to have a party, but I also find that there are the external relationships who want you to be normatively well or what they think of as well. And there's a glossing over what you think is the amazing achievement for the advice, the frame about who you should be as a person should be moving to get well. And I'm wondering, um, yeah, in your relationships, how did that work for you? Did you meet that other people's desires and dreams for you and your health and what you should be doing? And how did you
1: manage it? Yeah, and I think it's a very well-travelled experience for people who are unwell and chronically unwell because if the status of your health you know isn't changing in perpetuity couldn't say that word um it's very difficult for people around you to hold that and I think I think what I came to with that is kind of a compassion for that I think it is really hard Uh, and I don't know if that's if that's right but for me it was sort of understanding the limitations of the experiences of people around me and not being cross with them for that, understanding that they have a desire for it to be okay and for it not to be okay is difficult to hold. It is an emotional experience for the people around you to see pain. It's very hard if you have no control of that pain to be witness to it um, for a time when you don't know when it's going to end. You are out of control in a lot of ways and I think in a compassionate eye, People are trying to make it okay in the way that they can control. So I'll tell you what to do. You do what I say, and we'll be all good. Shh, yeah. Let's get better again. So I guess in that way, um, and it's not a it's not a happy story, but there's a great isolation I think that comes about because of that. Uh, sometimes an ability of people around you to hold you in the way that that you need, and so I think in in a lot of ways and I'm not advocating for this but I found a way to manage myself you know and to do it without the anger that I began you know feeling about it just to sort of go okay well people can't get it but they do love me yeah maybe that's enough
0: yeah I think that's um that's a discipline that's a real psychological and emotional discipline yeah and I think of it as badass boundaries. The one thing illness will teach you is it will really you have to get boundaries and you have to get them in your relationships fast because you don't have the emotional energy to for want to to fuck around with people for a long period of time. Yeah. So over your experience, did you have ways of discerning about who you told what and you know which friends or relationships you spent time in? I'm just wondering how did you work some of that out for yourself? find out
1: quickly, don't you, where, the, where your boundaries are, you know. Um, I, I did find myself, and it's not healthy, but it's just the truth, I would say a lot, oh, but I'm okay, but I'm fine. Yeah. This is what's happening, but I'm fine, but I'm fine. I don't need you to tell me how to do it well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you distance in some ways in that way because your vulnerability is really not um, able to find a home. So, you know, I did snap at a couple of friends when they would give me advice and it was shocking sometimes at how the rage would be quite big very quickly and they'd be like, hey, I just said maybe you should yeah. try smoothies," And it's like, yeah. but you're, you know, because of that enormous pain of, of separation from people and understanding, it's actually the really hard thing to do for a long period of time is to hear that stuff from other people when really the complexity and the understanding of this is so... Uh, removed but I guess I just I found other ways to connect I think and I think sometimes we do have experiences that isolate us but that the connection is still really important you outside of your illness is still important in some ways yeah it's a hard one I, I don't I don't know the right answer to it because I think we are still learning about this yeah. society wide and I think this is part of the book is hoping that people will read it and go all oh, right yeah you know or you know that haven't had illness experience yeah
0: yeah I think it's um it's very topical um there's a lot more conversation in the last 18 months about chronic illness than I've ever seen and for me like I think society's having the experience that we've been having for a decade or more and, and people sort of say oh how are you going 2020 was tough and I'm like no, 2020 was normal yeah. and it's it just, was great. It was better
1: because... <laughs> a lot of people that I spoke to too said, you know, like now people do what I do every day and it's brilliant because, you know, yeah. everyone's at home. So I'm not missing out on anything at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I know. And I think I hope we'll become a more compassionate society. I mean, all of us have got areas that we've got to grow our compassion and understanding with other people. And hopefully the pandemic gave us an opportunity to to walk in other shoes for a little bit that will stop us maybe being judgmental or quick to um, dismiss, you know, the other's experience.
0: Yeah, and you suddenly see everybody wanting it to be over quickly and sort of that slow realisation, "Mm, this is going to go on for a while. Um, Yeah. One of the things that intrigued me in your experience was meaningful work finding your way and navigating work and I'm wondering if you might share with us you know how that went for you what you wanted and then how you actually have come into a very public
1: life in the middle of this experience yeah it's quite it's directly related to the experience it really is and again I don't talk about this that much because I don't know but um uh, you know, in asking myself, what am I and who am I? And rather than feeling like everything was completely for other people, but before I got sick, I just didn't think I could do anything, you know? And I think what getting sick shows you is, uh, well, that life isn't as you think it is. It showed me that and that everything is, is small moments of grace, if I could say that, you know, small moments. And so... I did a lot of jobs in my life, and when you're unwell, you're doing anything you can. If you can do something from bed, you do. If you can do it just for a couple of hours, like I was a a fairy at a party with a colostomy bag, you know, under my tutu, you know, like ugh, the amount of jobs that I have done in my life to get by and done them when I'm been so sick has been quite amazing. But just small steps, I think, you know, just... Um, What is it that you love? What is it that you love? But also that everything that you do, you can bring that to. You know, I I have tested myself with that theory in many jobs to go, if I love this, if I bring absolutely my, my love to it, can I enjoy it in a different way? And I think you can. But it's a really, really, really challenging, exposing, confronting part of being unwell is that you and your hopes and dreams for work can be completely sideswiped. Yeah. Uh, for me, the sideswiping meant that I'm not a teacher now because that's what I was doing. Uh, and so I found my way slowly into radio. Which is so curious because it's sort of the
0: public dream and it's the path that you sort of ended up taking because of your experience, which yeah. is wild in the process.
1: It is. It is, it is but it was like... Um, you know, I sort of okay. This is really getting into it, but I had in my mind, well, after I got sick, that I would do my life like that. So, so tell me more about what you're showing us. So just my hands are out, and I thought, okay, you've you've lived so far until this moment of illness with you know this kind of like I'm going to crunched be- in, yeah, ready to fight, ready and just like you know frightened, and so instead, you know, I'm just going to see what the world is and and say yes, you know. So I just. I opened myself up to experiences that also came my way, all that sort of stuff, but just said yes and did it with um, the knowledge of what illness gave me, which was, you know, things change and move and you've got no say, sit in and see see where you can go kind of thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd really like to touch into this because we don't talk about it very often, uh, but for me, it is something that I really work with and share, is that meaningful work has a serendipity of coming to you and illness actually, for me and for others, opens up your intuitive system. It actually means that you've got a pretty good radar of what feels true and can move towards and what feels, no, that's that's just going to exhaust me. So Mm. you did very briefly mention at the beginning of this the spiritual aspect of illness Mm. and I'm just wondering is there anything you'd like to in your own experience share because to me it can be a
1: portal into more. Well yeah I think uh, absolutely okay so just from my perspective certainly not speaking globally which I think the book does in a way is trying to look at it more broadly but for me Um, it aligns with that whole identity being removed. When you become unwell, you lose your job, you lose your university, you lose your status as a human in a way that you have constructed it up until that point. And so for me it was once you've lost all of those things, who are you? Yeah. And in the asking of who you are and in the facing of fear, um, I realised that my fear was, you know, mortality I'm scared of dying if we're really going to talk about it you know so that takes you into a space of "Well, what is this and who am I and what does it mean and I think for me it was a pretty unavoidable experience to go through and investigate that as a spiritual question you know what what are we you know if we if we don't have the trappings of the world to keep us busy yes we're alone and quiet for a lot of the time is there possibly joy? And if there is, what is that? If if we can't make it, if we can't go to work and get it, if we can't eat it, if we can't do the things yes. that we would normally do to create it, what is it? And I think in some ways I found, you know, I meditated a lot through that time. I read a lot and a lot of stuff. I, I investigated a lot of areas. It was my most beautiful time because there was nothing to occupy me in any other way. There was no other human experience to have at work where people are annoying you or, you know, there yes. was such so solitude that I was really able to investigate. I investigated pain. I, I really challenged all the things that I'd gone through because finally I'd had some space to think, oh, it is pain. What am I doing? Why? How am I holding it? What does it mean? You know, I, and it was um, pretty extraordinary really to be frank
0: so tell us a little more because pain is such a part of the everyday experience and um there are a whole lot of um places out there that want to tell you how you can alleviate it and how to change your thinking or how to eat this or eat that and I certainly found my own way through it and I'm happy to share in the intimacy of the conversation. But I'm curious for you, did you find a sudden cure or a way to think that resolved pain
1: for you? No, but I I think, um, you know, and I really want to acknowledge how absolutely unbelievable pain is for your psychology because you feel like you are on the edge and anything will tip you into the abyss because you are holding on with fingernails when you're in extraordinary pain for a prolonged period of time. But I guess my investigation was around how I told myself about it, how I braced it, how I braced against it, how I was frightened of it. And I think what it caused me to do because I couldn't avoid it, you know, I couldn't get away from it, was to challenge my reaction to it you know what am I doing Um, and I think the fear of pain is pretty incredible I will say too though that pain and the experience of it makes it very hard to experience more you know I, I used to think that the more operations I would have the better I would get but I think it kind of builds upon itself in some ways that it sometimes gets harder to deal with yeah. So I, I want to acknowledge that as well because you know i think it's a very dynamic complex thing that we have with our body and pain that we experience because it just it just reverberates through our spirit as much as anything
0: yeah mm. yeah i think um for me in those processes the i looked at it as a practice can i have self-compassion mm. and then for myself can i do that no, I can't. Can I have self compassion for the fact that I cannot have self compassion for myself at this moment? And that was like, yep, I can practice that bit. Um, but it seems to me that there's a synergy in just the way in which we went towards it. It's this looking for, okay, what's the juice of this? How can I use this for my own well being, for my own development of myself? Nobody else has to be in the room or know what I'm doing, but how can I be with the more of me? And that's what it was for me. It was an introduction that there is more of me here than what I first thought.
1: Yeah, I think the unavoidability of it almost insists that we have to find something sometimes. If you can't alleviate it, you cannot climb the wall all day. Mm. You you cannot escape it. So it insists that you have to find different ways toward it because moving away from it hurts more, I think, is what you find out. And when you've had extreme pain, you understand that. I think when you have lesser pain, you know, moving away and and trying to resist it can be vaguely effective or you don't realise how ineffective it is maybe. But when it's unavoidable, it's you realise. And I think, you know, the metaphor there is in all pain that we have, like, the more we resist it, it doesn't necessarily go away. You know, perhaps it grows, you know. So I think, you know, it's a pretty profound thing to have that physical experience. Do not wish it on anyone. Do not think it is the pathway. But if it's an unavoidable experience, it can be it can be very interesting.
0: There's another moment that you talk about emotionally, and it I think it's powerful for all of us and it's where your partner you had decided it's best that you split I'm actually going to let you tell the story but there's something so beautiful that's that's aligned with what we've just spoken about the pain is that you think actually it's better if I'm not here when in fact you have to lean into it would you like to share a little bit about that emotional relationship for you with your partner?
1: Yeah, I guess I talked some sort of vaguely before around saying that uh, when it became very psychologically painful because I felt like I had lost everything and had nothing to give, the receiving of love uh, during that or care or anything you feel like you don't deserve feels pretty bad. Yeah. If you're not feeling like you're deserving of it, it's a horrible burden in some ways to be receiving that, to be putting somebody out. You know, you feel like yeah. you are all the things you know the burden etc so there's also
0: something in that moment about not wanting them to have more pain because of you I think as well
1: it's not just the burden you don't want them to go through the pain because I can't actually bear that I can't bear giving it to you not because I'm a nice person but because I can't bear it I can't bear the. I can't carry it because I'm so upset that I've given it to you I, I can't you know I think that's the truth of it. It's it's not because I'm sweet. It's because no. I can't handle this and I'm cross yeah. and I feel terrible about myself and I don't want you to see me like this and I don't want to be seen, you know. And so I kind of made a plan that uh, my partner of a number of years at that point who's, well, the end of the story is he's still married to me um, 20 years later. I said, look, hey, you know what? You're the best. You've been great. But I reckon you should let's break up. I will tell everybody that I forced it upon you. No one will judge you because this is too much and it's too much for you and I know you want to get out of it anyway because who would want to do this? And um, I really thought that that would be what would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, easy. I'll give you a free pass from this experience. But in a beautiful, unfortunately, very difficult thing, he said, no, dude, You know, I'm here, I'm in this, this is mine as well. This isn't just yours. Mm -hmm. So, again, as you mentioned, there was just sort of an unavoidable um, experience of having to accept who you are, the sharing of this. I can't do anything. I don't like it. But I have to find a way because you're not going anywhere and you're really annoying me by not going (laughs) anywhere. But you're not going anywhere. So, you know, what am I going to do about that? And I think you know, that self-love, that whole kind of, um, can I be kind to myself while I feel such enormous pain? Because that's our immediate reaction is if we're in pain, we are pain. We feel like we are that. It's it's trying to understand that as well.
0: And I think emotionally, this is really important because it's the other side that we don't talk about is I totally resonate with you. It's like, okay, the best I can do is give you the gift of not being witnessing me because that is the best gift that I could give myself in this moment in this relationship. Yeah. And I want to share with our listeners that, you know, you joined this relationship at a very young age and, as you say, 20 years later. I came into a relationship four years ago having lived alone for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So there's not one way to do this geek. But for me, it was the same moment. Somebody's turned up and, okay, well, they seem to want to stick around and how's that really going to work for me in terms of sharing? And I think it's really important to acknowledge wherever you are at, this is a very real conversation you are going to have with yourself, not just about what they feel and want, but what you actually feel about somebody loving you
1: yeah and those relationships can be all sorts they can be parents they can be children they can be from all sort of parts but I guess it's when you're that vulnerable in that love when you are in receipt of care when you feel broken um it's it's a hard gig uh it was for me to to accept it
0: and there's a place then where you do move into it unexpectedly, a job that you really enjoy working in radio, and you pursue it, you actually do discipline yourself and pursue it. And I'm curious in your everyday life now, like that's something where you have a commitment, you have to be there, you have to turn up, people now perhaps know a lot more about you than you ever thought they would know about you. So What's life like for you working and what's the reality of that
1: for you still on a daily basis um, I've luckily found some medication in the last maybe two years that has yeah. worked in a way that has progressively made me able to cope with um, my working hours which are pretty intense really far out um, well you know for <laughs> for this guy kind of, I mean people work really hard and I don't but you know what I mean. Um, But before that period in the same way, and it's been, you know, 10 years of working in Radio where eight of them have not been well, it is, oh, gosh, and I don't recommend it, but it is just um, lying in bed all weekend to get out of bed on Monday, you know, or going straight to bed when you get home or, um, you know, just sitting through pain and saying, you know, for me it was just like, okay, well, I have to decide to do this with illness, and what does it look like for me? What yeah. what do I have to manage? Because I haven't trusted the world. I hope the world changes. It needs to change um, in being able to say to employers or whatever, hey, I need some special consideration because I'm not well. I just yeah. I don't trust it, you know. So I I haven't shared it, and luckily I've been well for the last couple of years to not have to really push on that. But but I've definitely you know, managing illness is just—you know—I sort of laugh at some of my friends that friends that are unwell. Who we, we would take a day off for being having a cold, yeah. but not for excruciating chronic illness pain because it's like, well, if I take today off, then I, I'll never come to work. You know, so um, it's a—it's a real psychology. And there's a lot of managing.
0: There's a lot of layering onto what is the transaction and the price and how much am I prepared to pay? Uh, And I think that is part of the reality and it's rubbish that that is part of the psychology and I think there are ways in which we can be in relationship with ourselves to diminish the harshness of that transaction. But there's also a reality that there is things that need to be considered.
1: I think we're in a in a structural uh, work situation that we need to change. You know, I think uh, what I am kind of furious about as well as excited about is how quickly we adjusted to different working conditions during the pandemic. And, you know, I've wrote, I think I wrote an article about that, just like, are you, like, if we could have done this this whole time, mm-hmm. why didn't we? Yeah. And the fact that flexible work is really and still a dirty word, um, I think is a reality. And I think that's, I think more so than anything, structurally, that's where we need to focus, is that we are behaving in a way because in a broad sense, we haven't been able to do anything else. You know, we have, if we want to go along with it all, we have to behave uh, in a normative way. And I think, you know, the conversations that we're all starting to have over the last, and you're right, about 18 months to two years, Um, are like nothing we've ever done before and we're finally going oh yeah hang on why why do I put up with that you know we haven't even had that honest conversation yet with ourselves so uh, I'm hoping that the, the changes will come faster than than they have obviously you know up until this point.
0: Yeah I find it fascinating you know I work for the Department of Health three days a week until I left to do this work and it's like I had to work out all the IT, and I'm sure you like. There's all these things you had to work out, and then all of a sudden, oh. that got cured
1: within five minutes. Apparently, twenty four hours, and the whole of the state's working from home with VPNs, and it's all fine, and we're doing Zoom meetings and all the things. And it's I, I just like right, you know what? Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm not even that confident that employers um, will you Know at, at on a wide scale, shift that thinking because I think there is just an inherent, uh, you know, um, issue around the nature of work and how we do it. We've got such an old traditional system of if I don't make you, you won't do it. You know, yeah. like who are we? Yeah, you know, largely speaking, of course, that's just not true. So, yeah, I think, and also the
0: heart you know, I found that it's your heart when you turn up with your heart. My dedication is to my authenticity. And I mean, that's really what you've laid on the table in your book is your authentic experience. And for me, honing into authenticity and watching how that frees other people, how has the response been for you? Are there things that You've suddenly people have talked to you about that you might have known, but you didn't know they were experiencing illness or things that have been hidden that have been revealed
1: to you. Well, yeah, I think that. And I also like uh, my family was sort of, some of my brothers were like, more of my brothers, particularly, was like, oh, wow, I feel like I didn't know this about you. Yes. Enough, right? But I sort of feel like we all have the story that we could write a book about. I just feel really lucky that I had an opportunity to do it to share the intimacy of your life because we really don't, you know. I mean we all have a story that we could write. So I think I think that's how we need to understand the world is that there is so much intricacy to the experiences of where we all find ourselves. We need compassion. We need to slow down. We need to stop judging each other. We need to just hold each other lightly and I think right across the board, illness or whatever we've gone through, we're all here, you know, by the grace of whatever we've had to do to do it, you know. So I think I just think broadly I think we're moving into that a little bit more where we've got much more of an understanding that the world is not how we think it is. You know, it's very, very dynamic and diverse.
0: And I think we've had the opportunity through illness to start to write some of that story because we're just a little ahead of the curve from some of that working experience. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for sharing with us and sharing what's real for you. And we'll put in the show notes the links to your book and your show. And I'm wondering if there's anything else that you want people to know or go to or
1: share that's in connection to you? Well, not really. I think it's, um, you know, it's pretty much in the book. But I guess, you know, as much as we can follow and support Um, other people with disability and chronic illness to get a broader sense of the experience and to have a deeper compassion for the wide range of this experience I mean I'm trying to do that more and more uh, and and ensure that um, all our voices are amplified as much as possible so I think you know that I mean that's the great work that you're doing as well as sharing stories so the more of that is uh is really what's needed
0: thank you so much And um, I really wish you joy and beauty in the life as you continue to flourish in a way that works for you and your body. Thank you so much. And to you too, uh, right back at you. Thank you. Isn't she fabulous? I love talking with Jacinta. So now I'm going to share with you how to enter the competition to win my masterclass on Badass Boundaries. All you need to do is hit subscribe and pop over and follow me on Instagram at Michelle Irving Official, and just tag me in the comments in one of my posts. We'll be announcing the winner next week on Instagram. You can find all of Jacinta's details in the show notes, including links to her book, Unseen, and next week we'll be diving in with author and musician Sarah Ramey. See you then. <music>